0: Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. It's been a great joy to be with you Friday and Saturday, and I'm looking forward to this morning. Places filled with expectation, hungry hearts, deep worship, intense, fabulous. I look forward to spending some time with you in the Word this morning. So much that Pastor Mark shared, uh, for example, the 300 warriors. He said, 300 warriors. Tonight, before I lay hands on people, I want to speak about becoming a giant slayer, a warrior. Uh, There is an intense battle going on for your life, for your health, for your family, for this nation. And for the church. Now, I know the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. Can I just do
1: one more thing? Sure. I don't mean to interrupt you. Stay right there. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Don't lose that thought. I just wanted to quickly take some time. Brother Jimmy, would you go ahead? No, I know you don't want to. Do, just stand up. Let's give him a warm welcome this morning. Jimmy Tate. Just want to honor you, sir. We love you very much. Thank God for you. That's it. Sorry.
0: No worries. Uh, I'll put another two minutes on for that. <laughs> Tonight, I want to minister on the warrior spirit becoming a giant slayer. Jesus said to Peter, the devil has wanted to sift you like wheat, Uh, but he prayed and he stood in the gap for Peter. As a result, we are the continuum of the ministry of Jesus through the apostles because he made a stand for them and we have become a part of that victorious, glorious army. But there is a battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, and I want to speak about the giants that we face and the overcoming spirit becoming a giant slayer, a warrior. So that's tonight, and then minister to everyone. Uh, This morning, I want to speak not so much to your mind, although certainly we have minds and we haven't intellect. The Bible says the renewing of your mind, not the removing of your mind, but the renewing. And I want to see a renewed mind. Uh, However, I want to speak to your spirit. And only the word of God can separate between soul and spirit. Today, I want to minister uh, to your spirit that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, opened, that the entrance of God's word would bring light and that that revelation, that light, that illumination will transform your lives and bring you to the capacity that God desires for you to walk in and to operate in dimensions way beyond your present state. He's got much more for all of us. We haven't come to the end Today is the first day of the rest of your life and something that is going to deposit in your life today is going to increase you, expand you, enlarge you in vision, in faith, in capacity and in sensitivity to the realms of God. Before I get into the Word, I want you to just please lay your hand on your belly just for a moment, why out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water, and I'm believing today for an impartation in the Word, while Peter yet. Spoke, the Spirit fell. I'm believing for a combination of revelation and impartation into your life by the Spirit of God. God, please today would you stretch out your mighty right hand that bears the evidence of Calvary's love and that you would touch every life in this place, that you would fill them with your glory, uh, with your power. Uh, Those that are sick, diseased, God, I pray for health to penetrate the very core of their being, the very essence you gave your back to those that whipped you, that by those stripes we were healed. And I pray today, God, that sickness would bow at the mighty name of Jesus, That that which has been deemed incurable, will not be a limitation because you, oh God, are the author and the finisher of our faith. You are, oh God, the one who has the keys. And I thank you right now that disease bows at the name of Jesus, that growths wither and disappear uh, out of the human body, that there is a strength that enters every single one. Disease bow in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that your mighty presence would saturate our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I want to, like I said, address you to your spirit, not so much to your soul, to your mind. Deep cries out to deep, from glory to glory, ever increasing, ever expanding, that when you leave here today, you'll leave stronger than when you came in. That you'll leave healthier than when you came in. That you'll leave here expanded in a capacity to do not just a work, but a great work. One of the things I love about Nehemiah is he said, I'm doing a great work. There wasn't a statement of arrogance. It was a statement of passion, of faith. And it was a statement of that apart from God, we can do Nothing. That it's in Him we live and move and have our being. And if we're going to do something, we might as well do something bigger than ourselves. Oh, yes. and this nation needs the revelation of God. In this world, you are God's light. Yes. Amen. He gave Amen. you that same reputation that is upon Him. He said, I am the light of the world. Then He turns around and He says, you are the light of the world. Yes. Yes. Darkness cannot Put out the light. Light dispels darkness. We shine bright in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And your light shines in this city, in this region, ever increasing, ever expanding. More and more people coming under the influence of the light of God in you. You are God's light. You are the expression of God's love in this world of hatred and of pain and of corruption. You reveal the love that has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit who has been given. You are living epistles read by men. Hallelujah. You may be the closest anyone is ever going to get to seeing Jesus and hearing Him and seeing His word. You are a carrier of that unfading glory. The glory that was given to Him, He gives to us. Now, Moses had a fading glory, and that glory was so bright that they put a a, a mask on his face to hide the intensity of it. Uh, We may have that glory today, not with veiled faces, because it's been hidden in these mortal bodies. But it is not a fading glory. It is a unfading glory, and it is the same. Not a similar, the same glory that was on Jesus has been given to us. We are carriers of the weightiness of His presence into our society. When you speak, God speaks through your mouth. I urge you on behalf of God. You are indeed a carrier of His glory, of His power, of His word, of His a magnificence into this world. My ministry, as I shared on Friday night, my focus is to raise up a generation of world changers. And number one, I always want people to be in the place of first love, lovers of God not lovers of self and lovers of pleasure, but lovers of God and lovers of one another as a result, that by this great love we'd be known, not by our miracles, by our healings, or by the, the, the intensity of the truths that we speak, but we'd be known by that love. Secondly, I would love the church, to love the church and to be loyal to the church. The enemy has sought to deceive believers concerning the importance of church. You cannot say that you love God but hate the church because the church is His. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is His church, His building. Christ, having loved the church, gave Himself for it. He loves the church. When Saul was persecuting the church, Jesus appeared to him on the Damascus road and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, I'm not persecuting you, bright shining light talking to me. I'm persecuting those crazy Christians, this new thing. And yes, the Italian version. When you touch the church, you touch me and I'll be in your face. He loves the church. He delights in the church. We are His body. He is the head. He's not a floating head with no body. We are connected. And when you are saved, you are added to the church, not only the universal mystical body of Christ, but the local church where you are to be discipled, nurtured, taught, trained, equipped, empowered so that you can live in a life, a relational life with God and God's people. Church is very important. It's not just a place that we go to. It's a people who we are. And there's become a disloyalty to the church because of woundedness, offense, uh, unforgiveness. And we need to get over ourselves and get to a place where we reveal Him to this generation. When the early church met daily... Praying, worshiping, fellowshipping, breaking bread, caring for one another. The Lord added to the church daily those who have been saved. He's never changed his mind. Amen. He is not the subtractor from the church. It's the devil and it's the, uh, the carnal nature of man that surrenders to the, the imperfections in the midst of our perfection because the blood has made us righteous. But we are still working out that salvation. And so people become offended by our humanity and by our frailty. And they allow themselves to be pulled away from God's plan, which is the church. God's plan was not Israel. God's plan from the foundation has been one new man, the church, the glorious body of Christ, the temple, living stones fitted together. We are not molded in some brick mold. We are living stones uniquely cut cut by Him and fitted and joined together as a holy people of worship. Number three, we need to have the heartbeat of God. If you could sit on the lap of God and place your head on His breast, you would hear His heartbeat that would go something like this, souls, souls, souls. It's not His will that any should perish, and how will they hear without preachers? And we have been called, we have been sent, we have been equipped and empowered for this task of reaching this generation. And so we need to have that ministry of reconciliation as a reality in us, not just as a theory or as a a, a theology. But it is our, when we put our feet down, they are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Number four. I've always thought that people should be spirit filled. I don't like using the word spirit filled in charismatic churches because they think if I spoke in tongues 20 years ago, I hadn't experienced some spirit filled. Spirit filled is in being filled, stay being filled. And it's not a suggestion, it is a command, it is an imperative. And be filled with the spirit. And the, 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 Connection is do not be drunk with wine. So there is a secular intoxication, but there is a spiritual intoxication. And that is to be under the influence, not of alcohol, but of the spirit of God. Come on.
1: Hallelujah. Yes.
0: And if we appear to be sober, we live perpetually uh, uh, addicted to this Presence and power of God. If we appear to be sober, it's for those who don't understand the realms of being spiritually intoxicated. Right. To be filled with the Spirit is essential, it is not a suggestion. He commanded them to stay in Jerusalem. He didn't say, listen, if you could fit it into your busy schedules, I know I'm putting a huge demand on you. Please don't feel any pressure. But if you can stay in Jerusalem, you shall be filled with power from on high and you shall be my witnesses. But I don't want you to go out your way, please. I, this is only a suggestion. No, it was an imperative, it was a command stay in Jerusalem. And we are the product of that same spirit that filled the upper room. We haven't been given an inferior spirit, an old age, retired spirit. The Holy Spirit hasn't moved to Florida and is playing shuffleboard. He is the same. And you are partakers of the same like precious faith and the same Holy Spirit and the works that He did, you shall do. And we should desire to be not only filled with the Spirit, but desire the gifts of the Spirit to be manifesting through our lives. There wasn't a, a, a cessation of those gifts when the apostles died. These will be in operation until He returns. That's it. We are to be Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, Spirit-empowered people. I know these are basics, but we sometimes forget the, these important foundations. Running parallel and equal like train tracks to the spirit-filled life. Not a lesser or a greater, but equal. And that is to have godly character, honor, submission, excellence, um, uh, the servant heart of Jesus, all these great traits of uh, the Character of God being shaped and formed in His image must be part of the Spirit-filled life. Because if, you, if you're strong in the anointing but weak in character, then people will be offended by your life. That is a contradiction to the Spirit-filled life. So we need to seek this transformation to be conformed to His image and carry ourselves in the dignity of the new creation. And then lastly, we, we need to be leaders, raised as leaders. Why leaders? Because leadership is influence. And where there is influence, there's change. And we are carriers of His glory and power. And as He is, so are we in this world, not just in the sweet by and by. And as a leader of the universe and as creator of the universe, something of His nature and leadership is in each one of us. And I want to awaken people in the leadership, leading someone to Christ, leading them in the truths of God's word, leading them to church, (laughs) leading them to their full potential. And so those are important. And the way I do it is this. If you could imagine a circle, and let's call that world changes. God wants you to change your world. Your world may be 10 people, 50 people, 100, 1,000, 10,000. But in that world, you are the closest they will ever get to God. In that world, you are an ambassador. In that world, you're a carrier of His light, glory, power, word, and love. And in that world you are His representative, His son, His daughter, His mouthpiece. Now, as a world changer, changing that world with the gospel, with the power of God, with the love, with the light, in that world, you are His representative. Now, around that circle of becoming a world changer, a warrior, a son, a daughter of the most high God. The first level that I disciple people in is to make them believers. From lost to believers. The motto of Global Ministries and Relief is reaching the lost, discipling the found, or equipping the saints, and building the church. Now, He is the builder of the church, but we are co-laborers together with Him. And so we unite ourselves with Him in this purpose of the growth of the church, not just numerically, but in quality. And so we're a part of that. We are fellow builders, fellow workers together with Him. Now, as a believer, that is your personal relationship with Christ. And we need to grade ourselves. Sometimes we need to take stock. When I was in business, way before I went into the ministry, we used to have to do a weekly stock take to see what was being stolen, what was sold, what was our profitability, we would do a stock take. Sometimes we need to examine ourselves and take stock of our spirituality. If zero being weak and 10 being strong, where would you be in your personal walk with God? in your prayer life, in the Word, in the transformation. Uh, how close are you in your intimacy and fellowship with God? You can actually start strong, but like the Apostle Paul's had to say, I'm going to uh, labor in prayer again. I'm going to pray for you that you may be formed again in Christ. You can start in the Spirit and end in the flesh. You can backslide. You can lose your first love. And so you have to take responsibility of your spirituality. So I want to keep people not only strong, but I want them to increase in their spirituality, growing from strength to strength and glory to glory, ever increasing in, as as Peter says, growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. That I would not just grow in information, but in revelation, knowing Him more and more in my daily walk. Number two, believer, member, I believe that we ought to belong to a church. Not just like belong to Sam's Club where you want the benefits, but you are a, a joint. Every joint supplying, every part doing its share. We should never have a slide in the church that says volunteers needed. Why? Because everyone should be doing their part. When you join a church, you should be saying, what is the place that you need me to start in? Uh, it should be everyone engaged. Notice when the Apostle Paul speaks about the equipping of the saints for the work of service or the work of, of uh, 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 responsibility, responding to his ability, responding to his giftedness, both natural and spiritual giftedness in your life. In the day of his power, my people should be volunteers. We should be stepping up saying, what needs to be done? If it's the nursery, I'll do it. If it's the children's ministry, I'll do it. If it's the youth, if it's the worship, if it's the sound, the video, that's, yeah, in the building, in our worship. But we don't just serve God at church. Actually, this is the smallest part of our service is when we walk outside this building that our ministries really kick in. This is just for the comfort and the order of our meetings. It's a small part. It's outside, but everyone should be involved. Every joint supply in every part, doing a share in prayer, in giving, in the offering of your tithes, in your giftedness and in your service. Believer, member, minister. That's where we awaken you in your gifts, in your callings, in your anointings, in the gospel. Get you trained. If zero being Weak and 10 being strong. Where are you as a believer? Where are you as a member? You can be strong as a believer, but totally disconnected from membership. You want to be balanced. You want to be whole. You want to be growing, not only in your fellowship with God, but your fellowship with one another. Submitting to one another. Honoring one another. Serving one another stimulating one another to good works you're a part of the body and your part may seem insignificant but it's there it's God given so zero being weak 10 being strong where are you in membership then zero being weak and 10 being strong where are you in your ministry your personal ministry that giftedness that God has placed upon you are you growing in your ministry And then from believer, member, minister, leader. Critical to awaken leadership. For every leader in the church, we will have eight people. Now, you may not... Physically bring in eight, but it's just the equation that works right across the world for every leader, active, serving leader, not just someone that administrates. There's a difference between being an administrator and a leader. A leader has authority. They have creativity. They have a, a team that they're leading. yes uh, is saying, believers believe. Leaders lead. Surfers surf. You can't be a wannabe surfer. You can have the car, you can have the beads, you can have the music, you can have the surfboards, you can have the wetsuit, but you're not a surfer until you ride the waves. You're not a leader until you're leading. What's a leader? Someone who's got vision, someone that's got passion, someone that's got strategy, and if you look over your shoulder, there's someone following you. So I want to grow people to be leaders, zero being weak, ten being strong. Where are you in your leadership as a father, as a mother, as an uncle, as an aunt, as a grandfather, grandmother, or in your business or in secular society and in the church? Now, I have learned that for every leader that we raise up, it will bring people. So even if we go to the ratio of 10, if we want to have 300 in this church, an army of 300 at the next level, then we need how many leaders? 30 leaders, 30 active leaders, pastors, shepherd, small group leaders, prayer leaders, so on. We need 30 leaders to get to 300. It's a very easy equation. Then the the next level, which is most churches will do believer, member, minister, leader. But that's where they stop. And that's why churches reach this level of plateau and people reach a plateau and they grow to the level of their incompetence and they'll never go beyond that because the next level is critical and that's to raise up people to be reproducers. The reproducing spirit. He is the firstborn among many brethren. He said, "Follow me, and I will make you." Then he said, "Go and make." That's the reproducing spirit. Most people are never wa- awakened in reproduction. Yet it's natural to the order of life. Every seed produces after its own kind. But we we have not taught the reproducing spirit in the church. And so we have stagnated. We have lost ground. The job should have been done. We should have been hastening the return of the Lord. But ministries ought to reproduce ministries believers ought to reproduce disciples disciples then reproduce disciples and we win the world it's a very simple way of expansion and growth but we grow to a level where we stagnate and then churches plateau at a certain number believers plateau at a certain level and we start going through the emotion because if you don't give out what you've been given as a reproducer your life will stagnate And so that's how raise up will changes. These things are embedded in these truths. Now, Yes where I want to go this morning With about 10 or 12 minutes left Uh, But those are important points Because you have to evaluate your life Your progress as a believer As a member As a minister As a leader As a reproducer If you want to be a world changer You will not change the world Without going around that circle Of being raised To the full measure The potential The full stature of Jesus Christ Who is the ultimate believer Member, minister, leader And reproducer So Here's what I want to share on from something that Pastor Mark was touched on last night from Malachi chapter 1. And I'll get there in a few minutes where, we, where the, the priests and the people were bringing unacceptable sacrifices to God. I'm not talking about money. It can include money. I'm talking about yourself, giving yourself to God as a believer, member, leader, reproducer, world changer, giving yourself to God. Go with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, a well-known portion of Scripture. To understand Romans 12, 1 and 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. You have to understand Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, because 12 is placed there very important because from 1 to 11 is really the revelation of Christ's purpose coming to the earth to redeem us. As our worship team was saying today, they see the Lamb high and lifted up, Holy, 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 worthy is the lamb that was slain for our salvation. And Paul speaks through Romans about this great redemption that brings us into the righteousness of faith. When you are saved, you are made righteous. The fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. If you don't know your identity in righteousness, you'll always live with a sense of guilt, shame, and condemnation. You will never reach your potential with a spirit of guilt and shame upon your life because then you'll always be in performance mode, somehow trying to gain God's approval when you've got it. His blood has declared you to be righteous, hallelujah. That gives you bold approach to the throne of grace, 24-7, uninterrupted access, without guilt, without shame. You never have to hide yourself from God. Adam, where are you? While I was afraid I'm naked, there will never be a moment of nakedness in righteousness because you have been made the righteousness of God. He who knew no sin became sin for you that you might become the righteousness of God. That means you stand, that sounds ridiculous, you stand in equality with Jesus. As a son, as a daughter of the Most High God, that is not blasphemous. You have equal access to the Father that Jesus enjoyed. Yes. Amen. Come on. <laughs> Come on. You are a co heir together with Christ, not just getting a small portion. Whatever is His is yours. As He is so are we partakers of his divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world we are a new creation the old has passed away behold all things are brand new you have access in righteousness with boldness and confidence you can draw near and lay hold all of everything that christ has laid hold of for you And this is what Romans 12 is about. The context that He came to raise up a holy people. Not out of our works, out of our effort, out of our discipline, out of our morality. Not that there's anything wrong with those things. But those cannot secure for you what the blood has secured. Those are the after effects. You live righteously because you're righteous. You will do the right thing in the right way at the right time because you are righteous. Because you choose to live in that place of persuasion that what He says you are, you are what He's given you, you have. And therefore, it is the natural outflow of this inner reality that is in you. You are what He says you are. You can do what He says you can do. And you can have all that He says you have. Hallelujah. In this world, you're a son or a daughter of the most high God. In the heavenlies, you are a a partaker of of that heavenly position. We don't wage a warfare from the position of the gravity force of the earth. We are seated in heavenly places. In this warfare, you are far above all principality and power because you are in Him and He is in you. When I pray, I'm not praying from the earthly posture of my humanity, but I'm praying as one that is in Him in the heavenly places. Before God, I'm a son. Before principalities and powers, I'm a master. I'm a conqueror. I have dominion. Before my brethren, I am a servant. The greater your anointing, the greater your authority, the bigger the bowl and towel that you carry. As I say in my book, well done. With a toilet brush in the one hand and a Bible in the other, we'll win the world. Significantly, I'm teaching from Romans 12.1, the great move that started... In Kentucky, at Asbury, was as a result of someone preaching from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And here I am, speaking on the same subject with about seven minutes to go. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You have to present yourself. Your body is the carrier of who you are. Your body, soul, and spirit are one. Absent from the body, if you don't give your body, you don't have a soul or a spirit, you're gone. So when he speaks about presenting your body, it's not just to live in health, though that is important. It's not just to exercise and have rest and hydration it is the house of your spirit and soul and you to present yourself on the altar of sacrifice he was the sacrifice that died you are the sacrifice that lives one died for all that we who live should no longer live for ourselves but for him if every christian would just do that the world would be reached The church would be a much better place and a much more holy people if we would deny our selfies and take up our cross and follow him, the surrendered life, uh, the life on the altar. But notice these words that you to present yourself, your body, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. If you can give an acceptable sacrifice, you can also give an unacceptable sacrifice. Now, Malachi, let's go there, chapter 1, uh, just to bring it in context. And now I'm going to bring it in. Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, which is really, for the Italians, they call it the book of Malachi. Malachi. Um, In verse 6, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am the master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord, to you priests who despise my name. Yet you say, in what way have you despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer a blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor, would he be pleased with you? Would he acceptably, uh, Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. Now, remember, every Old Testament sacrifice had to be perfect because it was pointing to Jesus. Whether it was a lamb, whether it was an ox, or whether it was a dove, it had to be perfect. There could be no blemish because it's looking forward to the cross. If they brought a sacrifice that was blemished, it was an insult to Calvary. So it had to be perfect. You remember when Moses said when God said to Moses strike the rock and he struck the rock and then God said speak to the rock but he struck the rock because he was angry. That's a lesson for pastors. Don't allow the people to so frustrate you that you beat the rock. When you should speak to the rock. Anyway, the rock represents Christ, and in anger and disappointment, and frustration he struck it. Why was he so heavily penalized that he could not enter the promised land? Because he broke the type. This the rock could only be struck once at Calvary. Yeah. But he broke the type, he offended. Calvary, he offended the Rock, Christ Jesus, by striking the Rock, and and therefore he could not enter into the promised land because every sacrifice had to be perfect. It was representing him. We are now in the Old Testament, looking back to that perfect sacrifice, and so just as he gave himself wholly and entirely to the will of God, we place our lives on the altar, looking back to what he did for us, and now we give ourselves holy and acceptable to Him. We don't give Him part of our lives when it suits us Sunday morning, deadhead. We give ourselves in our entirety to His will and purpose. And in so doing, we will be world changers. We will not be conformed to this world. We'll be transformed and we will win. We will change this world. Go with me to Philippians chapter 4. Very quickly, I'll wrap it up with this um, somehow. Philippians chapter 4, it's well known. It speaks about money um, but I'm not speaking about money I'm speaking about the acceptable sacrifice you remember when the when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon in the wine press uh, after that uh, encounter with the angel of the Lord which is a pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ he says please wait here let me go and get a sacrifice he brought the sacrifice the the food the very thing that he was trying to secure he put on the rock Christ and then the angel of the lord stuck out his staff and fire came down and consumed the sacrifice and it was raised as a, it became a sweet smelling aroma before the nostrils of god the very thing you started your ministry with today it arose as a sweet smelling sacrifice if it is unacceptable it will be a stench if it is acceptable it will be a sweet smelling aroma and, and here it is in Philippians where he's talking about the, the money that they had sent to support him. Not that I seek the gift, la, 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 la. And he says, I am full having received from Aphrodite the things sent from you. Here it is uh, uh, in verse 17, a sweet smelling, uh, verse 18, a sweet smelling aroma an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. When they gave that resource to Paul, Paul says, you didn't actually give it to me. It was given to the Lord. Something mystically took place when it was presented for me. It became presented to God and it was placed on the rock. The fire came down and consumed it and it became a sweet-smelling aroma, well-pleasing to God. But then look what happens when you are well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply. Many people are givers, but they don't see the provision. I suggest that possibly they are not giving acceptably. Because he is true to his word. And is a conjunction. Once you give the acceptable sacrifice, there is the God side. And my God shall supply. The living sacrifice, not just the money, must be acceptable, well-pleasing. This is where the world changer is awakened, on the altar of sacrifice. I think the modern-day church has pulled away a lot. We're coming back in, but we need to really put our everything on the altar of sacrifice, not partial, not blemished, not when it suits you. But just as He gave Himself for us, we now give ourselves for Him, where He becomes not just our Savior and our entrance into eternity, but He becomes the Lord of our lives, of every area, every thought, every word, every action is to the glory of God. We make it our aim to be pleasing to God, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice. Now go back to Romans 12, and I'll finish with this. I know I said I would finish with the other, but it's, um, I've got about two more minutes, so I might as well use them. Oh, plus I've got two more. <laughs> go down to um, verse thir- uh, 11. In the context, I think verse 11 is the key verse of all of Romans. And it's this, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. If you are not 100% His on the altar of sacrifice, you will probably not serve the Lord. Now say that you're not saved by your service, you're saved by the blood, but you are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus as a result of that. We are being equipped for the work of service. Many Christians think that amazing grace allows you to be lazy. No, amazing grace awakens a zeal for the work of God you are zealous, you are passionate about the kingdom of God. Just as Moses was faithful in God's house, Jesus was faithful in God's house. You become faithful in God's house as a as a carrier of His glory and of His fame to your generation. Not lagging in diligence or zeal. Be burning and aglow with the Spirit, keeping yourself fueled and burning. How? By stirring up the gift, by pressing into the glory, and then you will serve the Lord. People say the laborers are few. No, the laborers are not few. They are not passionate. They have no vision. They've lost their first love. They are so entangled in the affairs of everyday life that they give God the dregs of the, the bottom of the barrel, the leftovers of their time, the leftovers of their energy, the leftovers of their resource. God gets the best. He gets the firstborn. He gets the firstfruits. He's given the best, not the leftovers of our life, but He gets the best. He is the highest and He deserves all. Let us stand and pray. Today, O God, I pray that every single one would be arrested in this house by your love again, that their hearts would be stirred and awakened by this great love that was revealed in Jesus. You, O God, are not only the lover of our souls, the Savior of our lives, but today, O God, you are the Lord of Lords. And the King of Kings, you have the highest place. You have preeminence in this house and you have preeminence in our lives. Oh God, today I pray that everyone would place themselves again on that altar of sacrifice. This is where revival begins. This is where renewing begins. This is where we come back to first love. When you're in first love, you do what first lovers do. Uh, This is where you do the works that you did when you were first saved, when the things of God were your highest priority, where you read the Word, you meditated in the Word, you studied the Word, you spoke the Word, you did the Word. You were at church when the doors opened. You were in prayer meetings. You were reaching out to your family and friends before you became discouraged, before you became wounded. You were active. You were zealous. You were in first love. We need to get back to first love. This is where revival, this is where renewal begins. Getting back to this place of being on the altar of sacrifice. Lord God, I pray that every life here would be fully placed on the altar of sacrifice. That we would reckon ourselves dead to this world. That we would not be conformed to this world, but we would be transformed. By the renewing of our minds that we may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will. That we would live in your will. That we would fulfill your purposes. Your will be done on earth in me through me and for your glory as it is in heaven. May heaven come down in us and affect this world through our surrendered lives that have been placed on the altar today. If you have lost first love, reach out to him right now and ask him to restore it. If you were once on the altar, but you pulled yourself off, get back on and live this surrendered life to this amazing grace. And if you have been offended, wounded, let it go today. The same blood that forgives you will forgive them. And release them. Don't live in bitterness. Don't live in offense. Just because of human frailty. Whether it be a leader or follower. Let it go. Don't allow that thing to consume you. The root of bitterness will not only defile you. But it will defile all those around you. Let it go today. Forgive them. And you will be forgiven. Thank you God for healing today. Surrendering today, filling today, changing today, transformed today, renewed today, strengthened today, let the weak say I am strong, let the poor say I am rich, step into your identity, step into that place today, don't hold back, give him 100% and watch him meet you in that same way. The measure you use will be measured back to you. (laughs) You give yourself 100%. Watch the 100% of God actively flowing through your life and into your life. Hallelujah. Touch your people in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Let's give the Lord a shout of praise this morning you may quickly as we just finalize here we're doing great on time um and we're going to make sure we keep great on time go ahead and you may be seated really quickly uh while you are seated you know sometimes i like to do word games and the one of those things is you know how would you explain the the life of a believer in one sentence if you could just have one sentence to give a definition For the gospel. And uh, that statement intrigued me. And I'm talking about the life of a believer. Put that into one sentence. And so what came to me, and I didn't write this down. This is not from today. This is something that I penned myself. New covenant living, talking now for a believer. New covenant living is a response to what Jesus has already done. In a sentence. Come on. Everything we do is out of the response to him. Are you with me? Yeah. And so, you know, when he was reading Romans 12, verse 11, you know, it says, you're not lagging in diligence. You know, some of us don't like to hear that. Oh, you're throwing works on me right now. That's not the case at all. It says you're not lagging in diligence. Uh, you know, the word lagging there is actually um, uh, to be to be slothful, to be... Uh, sluggish and backward in our walk and so and and this is all in response and then it says here it says do not be uh, so lagging not lagging in diligence but fervent in spirit and I just quickly wanted to look at the passion translation because it says here look at the way it's written it's written with the response here because it says here in 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 uh, the passion in verse 11 it says be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward Him boiling hot. Yes. Yes.
0: Hallelujah.
1: Come on. Be enthusiastic. So let me just explain to you, which is confirmation, which kind of is in line with what we're saying here. Is being enthusiastic, you know, you can't fake enthusiasm. How many of you, how many of you realize enthusiasm is not you can be you can enthusiastic before men but we all know one thing that real genuine enthusiasm is not something you act or pretend from the outside in enthusiasm is something that's on the inside functioning outward are you with me Paul said I mean I know this has got nothing to do it, but another example of inward outward are you with me everything is inward outward nothing is outward we're not working anything in we're working everything out Come on somebody. Yeah. Paul said work out your salvation. Come on. Do you know how many people have been thrown into the bondage of fear when Paul said work out your salvation? Uh, I'm just yeah, throwing that out. Just listen to what I'm saying. Is work out your, which part about working out our salvation don't we understand? We've tried to work it in when the apostle said, work it out. So in other words, salvation isn't on the outside working its way in. Salvation is on the inside working and manifesting outwardly. Work it out. And then it says, for it is God working in you. When he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, fear and trembling, he said also, when he came in the book of Corinthians, he said, I didn't come to you uh, with eloquent words. I came to you in much fear and trembling. The fear and trembling the apostle Paul was talking about, there is the same fear and trembling when he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That fear and trembling in both of those cases was make sure that you are never misrepresenting God, that you are an accurate ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, self-removed, just like Jesus was the express image of the Father. Amen? Amen. So anyway, come on. So, so we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Amen? And the kind of works to which we are referencing here this morning is 100% out of the response of everything that He's done for us. Amen. Come on! So I, I want to just I want to say this is such an amazing word for us, an amazing word, an amazing and amazing word. We're so blessed, and so without any further ado, here in 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 that. Atmosphere of understanding. I'm going to have um, some of our helpers here just go quickly. We're going to do this one more time and then tonight for the last time, uh, there's no pressure. We're going to go ahead and hand the offering envelopes. Remember, some of you are coming, have been here for all four meetings. Some of you have already given, some of you haven't. Um, We're just going to pass the offerings along and the reason we're doing it this way is just to get the envelopes to you so we can go through this and then when, when you put your offering in your envelope, for those of you that are giving, make sure that you on my right your left there is an offering box there just pop the envelope in there Um, let's pass the offering whoever needs an envelope let's get those across if you are writing out checks make them out to destiny revival ministries or drm now my next announcement if we can go to the last slide really quickly with the envelope it should be there the next one all right, so on that envelope, that is marked guest speaker. If you are here this morning and you are bringing your tithe, just do that like you normally would. But if you're giving specifically to the guest speaker, make sure you put the block in red, or you don't have to put the block, just check off guest speaker. We want to make sure that every uh, dollar goes towards his offering over last night, uh, the, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And by the way, we're not giving to Dr. Leon because he feels sorry for himself or we feel sorry for him. We're giving because we're responding with a gift. Why do we do things this way in our church? All right, because we've got to give we've got to be clear in why we do what we do. Why do we allow you to sow into the ministries that we bring? Why do we do that? is because we want you to connect your faith with your substance. Are you with me? So what, you know, just that's how you're doing it. You're responding to the Lord. Amen. Come on, look at your neighbor right now. Say smile real big. Say this, God loves a cheerful giver. Hallelujah. That's it. And then go ha, ha, ha. That's it. There we go. Praise God. This should never, you know. Sometimes it's like you know, people feel like squealing when you. You don't have to. Listen. If you don't want to give, then that's fine. Just be cool. It's all good. We love you. Nobody's looking at what you're doing. We don't have cameras watching what you're doing and not doing. It's okay. It's fine. We love you. We love you. Amen. 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 And um, and uh, we we're, we're, we you know we're very much a ministry while we're concluding here. Uh, as you finish up with it. We're very much a ministry that when we always get people coming through the door, one of the things we love to do is just say, you know what, just sit down. Let God, let God, you know, because one of of the anointings that we carry, uh, spiritually speaking, is we help to take people by the ankles when they walk through the door. Spiritually, we just turn them upside down, shake them. A little bit so that we can get rid of all we've got to we've got to deconstruct to reconstruct are you with me and so and and what is that getting all of the nonsense that told you it's about all of your efforts are you with me everything that said it was about you and bringing you back to the first love what was that first love all about It was about Him. Why were you enamored and in that place of the revelation of your first love to begin with? If you sit and think about it, you came to Him knowing that apart from Him coming to save you, you were lost and dying on the way to a dark place where there was eternal torment. Come on, let's just be real. You knew that you were in that place and everything about Him coming into your life, you knew you brought nothing to the table when He came and encountered you and saved your soul. Are you with me? And that that encounter brought you into that first love. Automatically, it was, thank you, God. Everything in that season in your life was about the response to Him coming, saving you and that you had nothing on offer. And oh foolish Galatians who has bewitched you that you started out in the Spirit and now you've entered into the flesh. Who told you it was about you? You should have never left your first love. The same grace that bought you is the same grace that keeps you, is the same grace that empowers you for service. the same grace that helps you to walk a righteous life because grace as we all know is not your license to go out and do what you want to do that's not what grace is and we don't preach or promote that amen in fact grace is the only thing that gives you the power to be free in every way so let's not frustrate the grace of God. You know what frustrating the grace of God is? Trying to do for grace what grace was designed to do for you. So you're throwing, you know, it's like Superman having superpowers, but you trying to be Superman and implementing the powers in yourself. The power you, you, when you, you know, it's like being, trying to be Superman, but only you just stay Clark Kent the whole time. You've been made a new creation. Come on, get out of the clock. End, come on, you, you have become Superman. Come on, are you with me? Get out of your clock and garment, come out of the phone booth and wear your Superman outfit, please, and wear it. And that Superman outfit is not because of you, it's in spite of you and because of Him. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, I love you. Make sure you drop your offering in the basket. We love you. Jesus is Lord. How many of you glad you came to church this morning?